Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Batter up! Welcome to No Bunts, the podcast for the casual baseball fan here on the Athletic Baseball Show. I'm Tass Mellis, in studio with me, as always, making the magic happen, it's super producer JD. Hello! What's up, JD? And my co-host all season long from Taiwan, Joel McMillan. Joel, how you doing? I'm splendid, Tass. Thanks for asking. Always, Joel. And great to hear the word splendid. You don't hear that enough. <laughs> you really don't. Uh, a little break <laughs> from our normal podcast today. If you're looking for MLB trade deadline news, check the Athletic Baseball Show podcast feed. Check the Athletic website. Reporters, podcasters doing incredible work on that front. As for this show, a little bit different today. We've got somebody who's been on the other side of the camera, been part of the game for a long, long time in a different capacity. In studio here, we've got Larry French, who is a handheld camera op for the Atlanta Braves for a long, long time. Finally paid off a couple of years ago with the World Series championship. He was also part of our basketball show, No Dunk slash the starters at Turner Broadcasting for several years. So we'll get into that and a whole lot more. Larry, thanks a lot for coming in. We appreciate it. Hello, sweet world. <laughs> uh, thank you, sweet. guys. It's still sweet. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, I've always been um, fans of you guys, and uh, when we first started working together, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if you realize this, but whenever the cruise sheets would come out and they would have you scheduled to work certain shows, um, we'd all talk amongst ourselves, and it's like. No, they don't have me on the starters this week. And so that was like a fighting between all of us wanting to get on the starters and work the show. Um, I know it was a favorite of uh, most uh, most of the guys in the studio. So this is an awesome treat, and uh, I'm well, so excited about being here. Oh, thank you. That's a, a very nice compliment. We, we appreciate it. Well, uh, this was a treat for us, too, because uh, Larry – I don't know if you know this, but whenever we saw your name on the cruise sheet, we were like, <laughs> hell yeah, Larry French on the case. And usually that was only when we were on the road. We usually got you on the road, which is awesome because you are incredible. And, and I'll tell you why I was mostly on the road, and I'm saying this jokingly. So I can remember when we started doing the starters, we did it in a certain studio. It's where uh, NBA TV does the the main show, and, and we had a really big studio in there, and JD had us uh, – I think there was three cameras. There yep. was three pads and then the uh, jib. And I was scheduled for the jib this particular day. And so... Uh, the you jib, know, that monstrous camera that... The real long arm camera with yeah. the camera down at the end. And yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm excited about... I think it was the first one that I did. And um, so uh, JD is calling all the shots and he's, he's <laughs> like, uh, all right, guys, we're coming on live in about 10 seconds here. Everybody's, you know, I'm nervous. And so he's told me my shot is over camera two and then I'll slide down over camera two and then settle in on a four, uh, on the uh, four <laughs> shot. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he counts it down, ready, three, two, one, and take four. 
and I come down and I hit the top of camera two. Oh yeah, I remember that. And, <laughs> and so the camera obviously makes a little adjustment. You can obviously see if you're sitting at home that that's not oh. supposed to happen. Oh, I remember being seeing that at the desk. Yeah, yeah and. Yeah. Uh, JD, you know, in that moment, I realized what type of director is JD was. So I hit it, and then I settle in the shot, and I remember JD going, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was it." There was no cussing, there was no yeah. yelling. It was like, "Oh," and so that was it. I was like, oh, "This is going to be okay." I was worried you hit Hal in the head or whoever was on camera too. <laughs> so, anyways, that was uh, I remember that day like it was yesterday. But, yeah. uh, and so do we. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, awesome stuff. I I was uh, at a game last week, actually, at a Braves game, and I saw you working it, uh, doing handheld. You're on the move a lot. You're you're by the dugout. You're all over the infield. My first question. Do you warm up for games? Because you're moving a lot. Sort of like an NBA referee where you think they don't have to warm up, but it's probably a good idea. You know, that that's a great question because um, I, I guess about eight years now, eight years ago, and it was when we did the starters down in New Orleans. I believe we did New Orleans down yeah, there. 2014 yeah. and 2017 we did some all-star games. Yeah. I was going through some back issues and uh, – that was back when I had to travel myself. The studio didn't pay for a flight or a hotel, and you traveled yourself for the ability to work. And I was going through these back issues. And uh, I got all the way to New Orleans and realized that I was going to need help. And I called a chiropractor when we got down there. And this guy adjusted me um, when I was down there in New Orleans where <laughs> I could work the week. Right. And then I knew in that week that I was coming home and having back surgery. But after I had the back surgery, I talked to several camera operators, and they're like, man, you got to stretch. Stretching is what, what you got to do. And I was <laughs> like, yep, you're right. I'm going to start stretching. And I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say the only stretching I do is really over the dugout wall, like when I walk over the wall. That's the only stretching I do. But <laughs> yeah, I, I used to keep track of how many miles that I used to walk, and I don't do as much now because I do more coverage with home runs uh, for both teams, so I sort of had to be near the field. But back in the day, uh, I had a, uh, a meter on my phone, and I was putting in about six to eight miles a night. Wow. So, um, And a... you can tell by my physique. Oh, of course. You can tell that uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a walker. So um, no uh, secret there. Yeah, we, you got to get the, the camera ops in a circle pre-game uh, doing, their, doing their stretches. Uh, that's fun. How did you become a camera op? How did it all start? <clears throat> so this is a great question. I get I get asked a lot of the a lot of questions like this when I'm I'm running camera, and a lot of kids will ask me. And uh, I I really have to say that people that get in this industry they get into it three different ways. <clears throat> One, they 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 know they want to get in TV and they go to school and uh, they they pick out a school and and, and what wherever it might be. Two would be what I have found is that it's through nepotism. It's either family or friends that gets them in the business. And uh, I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it happens quite a lot. And then the third would be uh, how I got into it, and it was on a fluke. And uh, I would say over my career, uh, 25, 28 years, is that uh, I had six TV breaks those are distinct moments that changed my life as a as a as a person in the television industry uh and each break is attached to the next break and i really have to start um 
real quickly as to how I became who I am is through through a mom of mine that was German. And when I say German, I mean she was <laughs> she was hardcore. And uh, uh, my mom got me started in my employment industry, if you will, uh, uh, when I was 14 years old. And basically we had a neighbor that lived down the street, Miss Durden. She did hair out of her house. And my mom would go down there on a Saturday and have her hair done. And then she'd come back and say, uh, you will cut Miss Durden's yard Sunday at 8 o'clock. <laughs> she will give you $20 and you will cut her yard. And I'm like, I'm, I'm skateboarding Sunday. Uh, we're, we're, we're all skateboarding. No, you're cutting Miss Durden's yard. So that's sort of how it started where I was cutting grass at these neighbor's yards and then the neighbor would tell the neighbor. And next thing I know, I had like six yards. And so my summer went from, you know, thinking about I was going to be skateboarding. I was going to uh, uh, play baseball on my high school team. And so my mom started out with me having a, a, a lawnmower job. So when I turned 16, um, my mom, um, you know, I was excited. I, I got the uh, driver's license and, uh, you know, my life was going to change. Literally, I, I to this day, the day I got my driver's license was one of the most exciting days of my life when I got a <laughs> driver's license. And so, thank you. You're taking me back to my driver's license I, day. It was just yeah. I, to yeah. this it's day. Been a, it's it been was, a minute since I thought about it. it. It was that thing that allowed you away from the house, away from your parents, and out in the world. This driver's license, <laughs> this ability to take a car somewhere else. And so, my mom uh, told me about the time I, I turned 16. She said, uh, uh, "We are going to Wendy's for your birthday. I'm taking you to Wendy's." And I was excited. I love Wendy's. <laughs> so we drove to Wendy's, and I ordered like a triple cheese with everything on it, large fry, a frosty, large frosty, and a drink. And I'm sitting there eating, and uh, I'm saying, "Wow, you know, I got my driver's license. I just turned 16. I'm on top of the world." Like five minutes into the meal, my mom summons she sees a, a server that's uh, uh wiping down a table next to us she goes i would like you to bring the manager to me and i'm like uh oh what what happened my mom <laughs> something with her meal got messed up and uh the lady comes over and she goes uh can you please tell the manager to come out so the manager comes out shortly and she says yes ma'am can i help you i would like you to give my son a job <laughs> and so i'm eating and i'm like <laughs> I don't want a job. I'm not. I'm not here for a job. I'm. I'm here for a meal. And he, like, without hesitation, just turns around, walks in the back, and then I'm looking at her. I'm like, "What's going on?" He comes out with an application. He sits down with her and a pen, and then they start filling out my application. And I'm like, "I'm eating because it's the hamburger's hot, and I don't want to waste it." And it, she's like, "He's like, you no, you don't have to fill out that. Just just fill that out the address right there." And I'm like, I'm not working at Wendy's. And so they literally do this business deal together. He takes the application, and then he says, can you be here tomorrow? Now, this was a Friday, so he's asking me if I can be there on Saturday. And I'm like, I don't say anything. My mom says, he will be here. What time? And then he goes, 8 o'clock. And then he leaves, and the next thing I know, I have a job at Wendy's that I didn't plan to. So... The, so you got a job in camera from nepotism. So is what he, happened. He, I, I have to sort of give you my work history real quickly to to, to bridge the, uh, the the job oh, in TV. This is a podcast. We got all the time in the and, world. And Larry. so so uh, so. Anyways, I go to this uh, Wendy's the next day, 
And I'm thinking, okay, and the part of the job, uh, part of the reason I hated the job is that the uniform was black pants, uh, uh, excuse me, black shoes, white pants, this blue and white shirt. White and pants? White wow. pants. And this little derby, this yeah. little blue and white derby. And I was like, God, this is hideous. <laughs> and so I was like, I didn't want to wear that. And so we got into the restaurant. Everybody's staring at the new guy. And then he walks me outside. We go outside. And I'm like, and so he goes, here's, here's what I got you going. Uh, you're going to take this bucket. You're going to take a handful of this sand on the ground. And you're going to take a handful of this mortar and then mix it up with water. And you take this whitewash, uh, white water brush. And I want you to brush the curb. And I'm like, Are, seriously? He's like, yeah, well, you, you just paint all these curbs and make them white. And then he goes back inside, and I start whitewashing curbs at Wendy's. That's my first job. And that was 10 hours. I come in at the end of the day, and I tell him I'm done. And he goes, can you be here Sunday? And I said, yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, now I'm going to train to make hamburgers. He goes, I just want you to go to the Winton Road store and do the same thing. And so the first two days of my job was, was at Wendy's. So, anyways, <laughs> wow, new so, guy. So I worked. Uh, my 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 job history was I, I worked at Wendy's, and then the second job I left Wendy's. I went to a company called Family Mart, which was a grocery store. Uh, there I met my wife. Uh, I was 19; she was 29. Uh, we will celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary August 12th. Congrats. Uh, so uh, met her there. And then um, after that, I became a loss prevention manager at Montgomery Wards. I was like uh, uh, stopping shoplifters and, and, and employees. It was, a, it was a weird job. And then I got into the food industry, and this is sort of the bridge and the gap. So I, I started working for a company called Astra Foods. You provided retail uh, rest, uh, retail food items for grocery stores. And then after that, I was with, in the food service industry for restaurants. Well, one day I'm in my job in, uh, in Thomaston, Georgia. I'm handling a Winn-Dixie. And Denny is the produce manager. And Denny is a very unique individual. He wears, every day of his life, he wears what is, a, you ever heard of a duster? The cowboys, yeah, yeah, yeah. cowboys oh. warm when they were riding in oh, the horses. Okay. And yeah, they had the it's long, like a trench coat almost. Exactly like a trench coat. Yeah. And he wore this duster every day. It could be January, June, October. <laughs> he wore the duster every day. Okay. So Denny was the guy that checked me in and uh, uh, would check what I was selling to the account and so forth. Anyways, one day I'm leaving on a Friday about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm saying, Denny, have a good weekend. We'll see you next week. What are you doing this weekend? When I said, what are you doing this weekend, that is the moment that changed my life forever. He turned to me and says, I'm working for ESPN. And I'm like, wait, what? And I'm like, you're a produce manager. Well, evidently he did a little side work with ESPN. And he asked, uh, and he told me that that's what he was doing. And I was like, oh, you got to hook me up with that. How, how do I get in, in on that? He goes, do you want to work tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to work tomorrow. He goes, well, can you pick me up tomorrow morning? And so I live in Columbus, Georgia. It was sort of in the middle of the state, and he was over in Macon. So that was like a two-hour drive there. And then the game was in Athens. It was a Georgia game, and it was another two hours. So I was doing the math. I was going to be an eight-hour drive that total day. And I was like, is that worth the investment? And I said, yeah, I'll pick you up. So the next morning, I drive to his house in Thompson, and I get there at 5 o'clock, knock on the door, no answer. Keep knocking, 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 no answer. He finally comes to the door at 520. He gets in my truck. We we get on our way. He's wearing the duster. He has the duster on. 
Takes twenty minutes to put on the duster. Yeah. I guess. So he's we're 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 driving along and it's you know it's like five thirty. It's dark outside and uh, I hear him open up a drink and I was like, it's way too early for a Coca Cola. Like I would never drink a Coke that early. <laughs> and so we're we're talking about the job and I'm asking him, you know, what what does the job entail? What am I going to be doing? And we're talking, and after about 10 minutes driving, I realized that it was not a Coke he had opened. It was a beer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, are are they going to have a problem with that? And he goes, oh, they know me. It'll be fine. And so, uh, (laughs) all right. So we we get all the way to Athens. We drive to the stadium. he opens the door, he gets out, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to park. And he goes, oh, you can't park here. you got to find a parking spot, and then you walk back. And I'm like, where am I going to park? He goes, you just, just find a spot. So I, I've never been to Athens. I, I drive around for like 30 minutes, find a parking spot. I walk back to the stadium, come to find out there's no job for me. He doesn't have a job for me. Mm, <laughs> so I meet the crewer who says – uh, his name is Slate Naker, and and he in the he was a very well known crewer throughout the whole country. I mean the United States. He was a Forrest Gump type individual, uh, and when I mean Forrest Gump, he's sort of slow, and everybody knew him as such. And uh, but he was the crewer, and he was crewing for all the TV networks. So I met this Slate Naker. He goes, "Danny told you you had a job," and I said, "Yes, sir." He he, he I drove him all the way from Columbus. Well, I don't know about that, but let me see what I can do. He eventually got me a credential, got me on the field, and I ran the uh, uh, utility for the camera cart, the cart that goes up and down the field with the camera, and I ran. And that's how I got into this business by a fluke because Denny, come to find out later, had gotten a DUI, couldn't Mm. drive. And when I said, what are you doing tomorrow? And he I guess the bell went off in his head and said, oh, I can work. I'll just get Larry to drive me. So his <laughs> DUI sort of helped me get into the business and ultimately uh, started getting crewed uh, for other gigs and other jobs. Um, um, Slayton Acre. Slayton Acre. What is, a name. Uh, um, yeah, he was, uh, he was who started crewing me for all the jobs. I started doing uh, – I became this super ute, if you will. I really love the ute job. Uh, I did it for about 10 years. Um, so uh, utility as in? Like pulling cable. Just... Yeah. So the best way I can explain it is if you think of a rock concert and you have the roadies, we're sort of the roadies of the sports industry. Right. Um, uh, I started becoming um, – how can I say this? We There's not many work jobs that happen in Columbus, Georgia – and we had a um, uh, we had a, an event called the Steel Chainsaw Event, and it's where these guys saw the uh, the, the wood in half and yeah. do all the chopping and so forth. And the director was uh, on site, and I told him he was uh, trying to figure out how to do the open of the show. And I was like, "Well, the army has just opened up the infantry museum that they spent millions of dollars on. That would be really cool uh, for you to shoot the open there." And so I knew somebody in the TV, in the uh, local network there that knew the general that was in charge of that. And basically, I got this general to agree to come on camera and do the open for the Steel Chainsaw event. (laughs) So that was sort of a a major uh, deal for me as far as we did the open of the show in front of the Infantry Museum with a general in the Army. And uh, 
So ESPN seemed to like that, and I guess you know my name came up. I started crewing. Uh, I, I started crewing. I started finding people. Uh, I was sort of in charge of uh, um, the Blue Gray game. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Blue Gray. Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. So yeah. there was a, a football game down in Montgomery, Alabama, and it was held on Christmas Day. And this is back when the NBA didn't do any games, and uh, I sort of became like a super youth for that. Started working it and so forth and um so one year i got there and you have to work the day before christmas eve christmas eve and christmas day and my wife really didn't appreciate that but you know <laughs> that was sort of some of the things that i was doing to to, to to get the work and so forth and so this director comes up to me he goes you worked last year here didn't you and he said i did and he said thank you great job hey i got one little favor to ask of you can you find us 24 people to work today <laughs> and i thought he was kidding and i'm like no i don't think i do and he goes yeah we need we need 24 people and so somehow there was a breakdown in the hiring and so he wanted he needed people to work the event so these maintenance people were out in the crampton bowl in montgomery putting the trash bags in the cans and so forth mm-hmm. and i was going around to these guys and some of them were elderly Caucasian men, some were elderly African-American gentlemen, and I was going to whoever would listen to me and say, do you want to make uh, $300? <laughs> and uh, they're like, yeah. And so I literally was stealing these employees away from the Crampton Bowl to work our event, and then now I'm training them how to put cable in and so forth. Anyways, we, we, we were able to pull it off, and uh, so <laughs> I was able to sort of get in – with ESPN and then and, and, and got some uh, um, longevity there, and that's sort of how I started with ESPN and, and the networks. At what point were you able to do it full time, Larry? So, um, so that's a great question. Um, so, when I retire, and I'm not far from it, uh, my dream is to own a saltwater boat down in Panama City, and on the boat it will be called the Double Dip. And so everybody <laughs> sort of knows me as the guy that uh, double dip, meaning I'd always had the food industry um, job, mm-hmm. and then I had the TV job. And so how people started finding out about that is I'd be running in the stadium with a camera, and then a supervisor that worked with me in the food industry would sort of walk by me and do a double take, and was that Larry? <laughs> and it's like, he works for us. And mm. so that sort of is where – and then I'd go to a sales meet, and they're like, did I see you at the Braves game? I'm like, <laughs> I don't think that was me. <laughs> and uh, after a while, you couldn't – you know, I, I couldn't hide it anymore. Yeah. It was just uh, – but I've always uh, double-dipped. I'll tell you a really – I'll try to keep this brief. I'll tell you a quick story. I was, I was – on Sundays, you have to have the food orders in on your laptop by 3 o'clock in the afternoon. All Braves games started at one thirty. On this particular day, I always make sure my customers give me the orders the night before or early in the morning on Sunday. On this particular day, I had somebody very late. They call me up about 3 o'clock, and I look down at my phone. I'm in the third base dugout with a camera on sticks, and I'm shooting Chipper <laughs> Jones. And they call me, and I answer, and I'm like, Hello? <laughs> You need to place an order? What What do you need? And so I am literally have a bag by me. I pull the laptop out. I open the laptop. I go back to the framing on Chipper to make sure he's framed up. The computer is coming up. How many French fries do you need? 
and I'm literally keying in a food order on a laptop on the ground while I'm shooting Chipper Jones. That's a yeah. true story. So oh, that's wow. sort of that's how that's when it was really bad. So, mm. um, but that's why we get along, Larry, because you work your ass off. You're a hustler, man. You're a hustler. Yeah, uh, just just like the the no dunks, the starters. The basketball Jones, the free agents crew. Um, so we, that, that, that's why we've always, I've, we've I've, always seen eye to eye. It, it, like I said, it's you won't find anybody else really in the industry that did what I did. Honestly, um, I don't. I, I'm assuming no. I, <laughs> I'm assuming I, there's no chance. There's I, nobody I, double dipping like you. I don't recommend it to anybody. And <laughs> and to be quite honest with you, <laughs> not only until but, literally recently. Um, really this year is i've i'm not doing anything else but tv and it really has been the best like couple of months of my life like nice. like it has been such a joy just to concentrate and focus on that and do only that so um okay yeah well uh since you brought up chipper jones uh you came in here wearing this sh- shirt well, let me just ask you about that so i don't forget about it it's poor larry a crown yeah so- on your shirt so um it's a uh, it's a a Braves shirt yeah, Braves so theme shirt that they came out with. I was not working this game. I was um I was still traveling doing hockey. I was doing hockey uh this year uh traveling around with Wayne Gretzky. That was pretty cool. Um but uh on this night uh I guess they had Chipper, Jeff Rancour, they had all the guys in the booth and they were calling the game. And uh, on this particular game, there was a walk-off home run. Ozzy Albies walked it off and uh, hit a home run. And uh, the call came from Fran Coor, poor Larry a crown. And so I guess <laughs> they ran with it. And then the next day, uh, if you brought your driver's license and your name was Larry, uh, you got a free crown. Which, <laughs> that's a pretty cool. Free uh, bottle of crown. I don't think it was a bottle of Crown. Maybe. I think it was a shot glass okay. of it. And Larry, and Larry there's, it had nothing to do with any Brave on the field. It had to do with Chipper. I thought they were talking about me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, Chipper Jones' name no, is. No, that's a, so Chipper's Jones' name is Larry Wayne Jones, and I'm Larry Wayne French. So, oh, okay. So Jeff was um, saying it for, for, for Larry Wayne. For, for Larry Wayne, yeah. Not this Larry Wayne. Not, not this Larry uh, Wayne. But it's a cool shirt. Uh, I, 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 uh, I asked for one from uh, Peter Moylan, but evidently he was out, so I had to order this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said to Larry Wayne, you talked, you just mentioned Wayne Gretzky, fall, or being with him because he's doing the the NHL broadcast, and he's, you know, we're Canadian here, so I have to ask about Wayne. How was it being with uh, Wayne on the road and doing hockey in general? So um, this year was great. Um, so leading into the, the, the hockey season or, or the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, when you're on the crew, everybody is talking to each other about where are we going to end up? What are the two cities we're going to end up? Are we going to end up in Winnipeg? <laughs> you know. Yeah, Canadians say it that way as well. <laughs> everybody was just <laughs> dreading. Am where... I right? Am I right, Joel? Would you not want to go to Winnipeg if there's any Canadians, any Canadian hockey city? It's got to be I, Winnipeg. I, I could do without Winnipeg. I'm sorry. I could do <laughs> sorry, without Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Winnipeg or Ottawa? Which which one would you least not want to go to? Uh, both both Larry and Joel is. I can ask that. Which, which one would you? I'm, 
I'm going to Ottawa for sure. Yeah. Like, no no contest. Yeah, Winnipeg's cold. So you didn't have to go to Winnipeg. Yeah, so we didn't have to go to Winnipeg. <laughs> so, like, as the, you know, as, as these games are being played, you're in the studio and you're rooting for certain teams, right? It's not bleeding over to the talent on the set. They're all neutral. But as we got further and further into the season, there at the very end, you realize that you're possibly going to go to Las Vegas and you're possibly going to go to Fort Lauderdale. And when that happened, it was just like the most euphoric (laughs) feeling in the studio (laughs) to know those were the cities that we were going. And so it was – it was the greatest – I think it was It was 20 days, and it was the greatest 20 days, seriously, of my entire career as far as who you worked with, the venues we worked in, uh, the weather, uh, just everybody getting along. We had a, a day off in Vegas. We had a day off in Fort Lauderdale. I had never been to Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we're walking down the strip. Charles Barkley is, is walking down the strip with his bag. He bought some stuff. Everybody's taking pictures with him. Uh, ran into biz on the strip. So um, <laughs> it was a great trip. And, and to top it off, I, my birthday was on the trip, and my birthday fell on the, the day the, uh, the Las, Las Vegas clinched it uh, and won it. And after the broadcast, uh, we're all like, shutting off cameras, everybody's taking pictures, and everybody's hugging. Wayne Gretzky walks over to me, sticks his hand out, and says, Happy birthday, Larry. Oh. And – I was like, I didn't even know he knew my name. And he walked all the way across the set to shake my hand. So, and then I got a great picture with him. And, uh, yeah, that uh, that made the trip. That was icing on the cake. So, yeah, hockey this year was a phenomenal trip. What a legend. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It was uh, – it, it – uh, doesn't happen like that every day, and it was. Uh, he's a he's a joy to work with, and he he's uh, very professional. He's very old school, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, but uh, he's he's uh, he's very courteous with his time, and uh, uh, he loves um, signing autographs on occasion. Uh, uh, he's very hospitable to people that are around the set. And, uh, you know, it's really cool to be around those people. They're rock stars, you know, and every, it's really cool to watch that. All right. So moving from where you were as a super ute, that's a great term, by the way, just being the utility guy. <laughs> super you, ute. The Ben Zobrist, the Tony Phillips or, or, or whatever. Um, moving into in-house entertainment is where you worked, right? You, you worked there for a long time. What, what, what is Atlanta Braves in-house entertainment? Entail. So, um, in um, how I got into it, real, real, real yeah, no briefly, problem. is that became break number three and four. Break number two was the ESPN stuff. Break three and four was when I got a phone call from a tape op. His name was uh, Josh, and he said, "Hey, can you come over here and uh, run camera for a Maggiano's lunch with the Braves?" Basically, the Braves had this thing where the the players would come to Maggiano's restaurant. They were up there eating. People would come to the stand and say, "Uh, can you explain how the hot box works? (laughs) And these players didn't want to be there. You know, it was just like an hour-long thing with the season ticket holders. And so this was the first job I had where I was going to have to, like, shoot four different players and not screw it up when when they were answering the question. So I had to, like, sort of – be on guard to see where the question was going. Right. I did that. I didn't mess it up. And we packed the truck up and the event was successful. Did you I'm, have anything from Maggiano's? I 
I think I did. I think they did give us a to-go box to leave. Now that you just said that, I do. You're speaking. Our, you talk food. You're speaking our language. I know Joel's over there taking notes over there. Uh, yeah. Maggiano's. Oh yeah. Wendy's. Well, What's back. Maggiano's? I've never never been. What kind of restaurant? It is was, it Italian? It was Maggiano's in Buckhead. Yeah, it's Italian food chain. It's uh, okay. definitely a step up from Olive Garden. Good step up. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely a step up. You know, but it's a, a fast food chain. Back to Wendy's really quickly because uh, our man Joel is a fast food connoisseur. Have, have you ever seen anyone in a Wendy's with white pants, a little derby hat? I mean, that that doesn't happen anymore. I, not, obviously, I thought, can't. You, I thought Wendy's colors were like black and like almost maroon. Yeah, black and red. Yeah, no, back then it was a very strict dress code, you know, um, <laughs> like the white pants were in. And, and I'm glad you brought up Wendy's because at the very end of this, I have a – really sad windy story to share with you with a co-worker i gotta share okay this with hey you. i'll make that note we can end on a, a sad note no, no. hazel and wendy's you'll, hazel. you'll ask me about hazel all right and wendy's. So, no problem all right so back to maggiano's you got your to-go box so i got to the go box we got the event uh uh we got it in the can and the truck drives away and we're all going home i'm feeling pretty good about it i'm leaving i'm not gone five minutes josh calls me back i'm like what did i mess up I said, hello. Josh says, hey, the Braves just called me. They're looking for a camera operator. I'm like, you're kidding. He goes, nope. He goes, here's the phone number. Give her a call. I, her name is Jennifer. I call her. I'm literally driving 7585 South. And she says, oh, yeah, what kind of experience do you have? Well, you can either tell her the truth <laughs> or tell her the truth. And the truth was I had recently shot an event for the Braves at a – restaurant called Maggiano's and yeah. it was all the players and yeah I'm I have experience she says well next time you're in the area can you come over and uh we'll we'll, we'll talk to you I can come over right now she goes no, no no whenever you're in the area I said I'm in the Grady curve I'm literally she goes oh really and okay well I'll meet you down in the players uh, parking lot literally 10 minutes from doing the Maggiano's I'm driving in the Braves parking lot I go in the security I meet her we fill out the paperwork I'm now working as a camera operator for Braze Vision. Wow. Uh, that was break three and four, and it happened on the very same day. And and the way that job works is you're sort of a temporary hire. You're, you're, you're brought in, you, you run camera, and then at the end of the season, they don't go to the World Series, you're sort of terminated, you're, you're, you're let go. I mean, it's just like a temporary sure, position. Right. And then you have to rehire. You oh, have yeah. to rehire for the – the next season. And so when I started, I ran uh, the hard camera on high first, uh, and I shot fan shots and so forth. Um, so way above first base. Kind above of thing. first base. Yeah. So uh, every position has a, has a name. Yeah. Um, so uh, my experience at the Braves was phenomenal. Uh, I had the best manager in the world, Matt Monomare, and he set me up for success. Um, so what year is this? This would have been uh, 2000, uh, 2000, 2006, 2006, 2008. Okay. Um, so I start working for them. So I'm going through that process of getting hired, doing a season, and then getting fired. Okay. So we do that for three or four years. And then one year, we have we, every time you're hired, we have an orientation meeting. And so we come to the orientation meeting, and it's in the cafeteria at the old Turner Field. And I walk in, and everybody is sitting there, and there's this brand-new camera on the table. It's got a brand-new wide-angle lens. It's got this RF receiver on the back. 
And I come up and I ask another guy that I work with, I said, what the heck is that? <laughs> he goes, that's the RF camera. They just bought it. I think they're going to ask you to run it. And in that moment, it was like, oh. yeah. I mean, it was just um, in that moment, I knew everything was going to change. I, I knew what Matt was wanting to do with that thing, and I knew what I wanted to do with that thing. And the RF camera, uh, that moment changed my life. Um, it was, uh, it was, I, I've been a big critic about movies. I think movies today are horrible. I just <laughs> don't like movies. And I've always felt like I would be a good screenplay writer or I could make a good movie. And looking at the camera to me made me that director because if you look at an RF camera, you get to do everything. You're the you control the audio, you control the video, you you write the script. Everything that you shoot, you're sort of in charge of. If I do a walk off home run, the director has no time to tell me what to do. I'm doing it, and then he has a, he's along for the ride. So um, that was that was sort of the start of. Uh, of a lot of things uh you start um uh, well just to explain how that worked uh, the rf camera had a signal or a feed for the big screen so if you're in the stands we shoot kiss cam you know i'm running around shooting fans in the stands but at the same time the network had my feed so sort of they had a free camera right and so um if there was a walk-off home run, I would run out there and shoot it, and it would be broadcast on the big screen. Well, at the same time, network is using my feed, and they're showing that on on screens all over the world. And so you have to sort of be in conjunction with the director to know what to do and what not to do so you don't whip off the shot while you're live. So I actually shot for network for seven years without any comms or knowing I was on the air for the network. So, so wow. you didn't have an earpiece. I didn't have an earpiece, and the way it worked, and and I I know he doesn't mind. It's he's the same director, Mike Miller. He's a phenomenal director, one of the most experienced directors in the country. Um, we literally, he would be sitting in the cafeteria eating his lunch, and I would come in the cafeteria and I would walk by him, and I'd have a drink, and then he'd look at me and he'd go same thing, and I'd go same thing, and what that meant was we had this unspoken rule that we knew that I would stay on the shot going into the dugout until the player walked down the steps. And I knew that's when he was going to cut off my shot. So every now and then he would say something different, and we'd have this little lunch pass by. Like I would go by him, he'd be sitting there. He'd go, hey, how about uh, running around the other way on that pitcher tonight? And it was sort of um, an unspoken rule. Um, kind, of, kind of a blessing they didn't have comms or an earpiece, right? Because then you're – You're exactly right. You're, you're, um, you're the director. And and that still holds true today. Um, when I shoot uh, baseball games, the what we call the away side or the visitor visiting team, they have my feed. And uh, so, um, just this past weekend, uh, I've shot for them, and they use that camera. And you just sort of have to communicate with them, and they know when to cut off my shot. So, um, they sort of have a free camera. The away side has a free camera and has had that for a long time. Fantastic stuff. So, in-house is uh, in-house would be um, when you go to a stadium, 
any uh, anything yeah. anything basketball hockey baseball when when there's a break in the action if there's a commercial or there's a tv timeout that's when entertainment kicks in and they start doing the stuff on the big screen and it's designed to keep your attention while you're waiting on the commercial to end so yeah you started not working specifically on the broadcast that everyone sees at tv at correct at home yeah. you're doing everything for the the in-house production. Correct. For a long, correct. long period of time. A long period of time. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Any favorite moments from there that stand out? So when I started, um, when I started, uh, we got that RF camera, and Matt Montemere one day I came into work and he goes, "Hey, are you scared of heights?" And I'm like, "I am, absolutely, I am. Don't ask me to do anything up in the upper deck." He's like, "Give me your, give me your social security number," and I'm like, "What do you, what do you need that for?" And so I give him my social security number, and um, he goes, "Hey, I want you to come in at ten o'clock tomorrow, and I'll fill you in." And I'm like, all right. So I go home. I come back the next day at 10. I have no idea what's going on. And he goes, hey, uh, you checked out. You, you're not a terrorist. So uh, do you uh, you want to fly in a Blackhawk over the stadium? And I'm like, uh, what, are you, what are you talking about? No. He goes, well. You're not allowed to talk about that. Hence the alert on your on your computer. That's, that's right. That's exactly what just happened. And so – yeah, basically, I go. His plan is for me. It was uh, Memorial Day, and they have the uh, they do the American flag on the field. His envision was on the flyover for me to shoot uh, the flag from the helicopter and show that as a live shot on the uh, big screen. Oh, very yeah. ambitious! I was so excited and stoked about this. A little nervous. A little nervous. I, I do. I'm petrified of heights, and so I get to these. Uh, I get to Dobbins. I meet the uh, a lieutenant, and uh, we go out to the tarmac. And there's these four Blackhawk helicopters sitting there, and so uh, I've got the uh, uh, what's called a Veracam. It's a RF camera, but it has tape capacity on it. It's got a P2 card in it, and I can uh, tape stuff. So they're going through the, all the pre-flight check stuff, and they've got this glass beaker that's four foot high they're checking the fuel and and making sure everything is good and i'm out there like with the camera like filming planes landing and the lieutenant comes up he says larry this is a high security airport and you're not supposed to be shooting those AWACS taking off if you would stop doing that <laughs> i'm sorry sorry about that and so i stopped shooting the high level security uh <laughs> AWACS that were taking off so we load up in is the black is that a term for a plane uh AWACS is yes it is a terminology oh. it's one of those planes that has that 
it looks like a big round saucer on the top. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like a sonar or radar, some type okay. of thing to do high altitude stuff. All right. So we get in the, the uh, Blackhawks, and then all of a sudden, all four, well, the, the, the Blackhawk I get into, they take out all the seats in the middle, right? So it's just an open cargo area, and then I can see the pilots sitting there. Well, all these pilots are weekend warriors. They're, um, they're National Guard. They had to earn time to do this flyover, and they're not paid for it. That's what it was explained to me. So we we get in the helicopter, and I have a hat on, and I put the hat on backwards, and then the guy straps me in to the helicopter, and then he gets back in the front. So I've got this $80,000 camera that I have no no strap or anything. <laughs> I'm just, like, holding it. And then, and then I kind of realized the seat belts are not, they're not that tight. They're like, like a go-kart, you know, yeah. like a, yeah. I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I'm making sure that I'm good. So anyways, all of a sudden they crank this black hawk up, the rotors start turning and all four of the, uh, the helicopters take off at the first, at the same time. And now we're hovering about four foot and bam, we take off and about this time, I realized that uh, we're going about 100 miles an hour, and this wind, like, if I lean out a little bit out the window, it would have ripped my hat off. So now I'm, like, trying to figure out how am I going to take the camera shot of the field. i got to lean away from the helicopter to get past the, the metal part of the helicopter. And so I figured it out, I got it, and then now we're heading toward the field. And the way this works is they have a guy that's on the field with like a walkie-talkie, and he's singing the national anthem as the pilot's listening. Mm. So they know about how far out they are. Right. So national anthem, what, is like two and a half minutes? That's the over and under at a, at a Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah. Less. Less, 2.30 oh, yeah. or something. So <laughs> we're – we're we're going along there, flying beautiful day and uh, Memorial Day, and uh, I hear the pilot go, "Man, we are early," and uh, so all of a sudden we start banking like this steep bank, and I'm like, I just hold the camera in my seat, and we're banking. All four choppers are like in this heavy bank. It's like coming in, you know, like you're attacking, and we do like three loops circles in the same place and i'll never forget the pilot go i bet everybody in piedmont park's dumping their pot right now (laughs) (laughs) and i thought wow that's pretty crazy so so all of a sudden we start heading out and i can see the stadium up ahead right and i'm like man this is cool and we're just sort of at a certain speed and we're coming along and then all of a sudden we're crossing the stadium and I'm I'm I got the camera out and I'm shooting the flag and I see the flag go underneath me and at the same time I'm recording you know I'm recording at the same time and uh you taking any orders for french fries no at, at this point? time I'm not I know that's impossible <laughs> okay. and so we're flying over the stadium and I look at the big screen because I'm pointing at the flag and I can see the big screen and I'm looking and the big screen is showing a shot of somebody on the field. And I'm like, and then we pass by and I'm like, well, maybe, maybe he used it and I just didn't catch it. So anyways, we land, I go back, we go back to the stadium. I think I catch the last in and I walk in with the camera. And unfortunately, the RF signal uh. was what's called pixelating. It was pixelating, it was unusable, and so we couldn't use the shot. But uh, wow. that was still a highlight. Um did they bank it? They banked they were- it. Yeah, we used it. We showed it at a different day. Uh, they showed it and they incorporated okay. it in the video. Okay. Um, you know, other 
uh, I'm a big Leonard Skinner fan. We used to have concert series at the stadium, and so I was able to shoot uh, Leonard Skinner in the stadium. That was great. Uh, you guys are familiar with Kiss Cam. Um, one year we uh, – well, one year uh, Jimmy Carter and Rosalind Carter, the president, they come to a lot of the games. and I, he was, I, I was at that game. Were, were yeah, you? yeah. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Your your shot must have. It was on the, so, the big screen. So yeah, this was about a little after he had. You know, he was he had made public his issues, his health issues, and you're thinking, you know, is this the last time he's going to come to the game? And so on this night, um, I I started texting the uh, network and then the in house, and I was like, hey, here's my idea. Why don't you know? First of all, I had to find out where they were doing Kiss Cam that night. And I think they put it together after I started texting. And so um, the first thing I had to do, and I knew the Secret Service guys because uh, I had gotten a Secret Service pin from them earlier. <laughs> and uh, I just uh, asked his permission to talk to the president about doing Kiss Cam. And he says, yeah, go ahead. So I go up to Jimmy Carter, and I was like, uh, uh, Mr. Carter. And, I'd, and I had told him a story about where I – when I was 15 years old, he was running for president – that he he threw some softballs at a church function that they videotaped for the election, like election coverage, mm-hmm. and I was I was a uh, I like snuck in line to bat against him. He was going to throw a softballs to three people, and I slid in line <laughs> to be the third person. And so he's throwing softballs, and so he throws one. I hit it to the third baseman. He throws a second one. I hit it to the shortstop. He throws a third one, and I literally take his ear off. <laughs> And while the ball is passing by, and you can hear the, the photographer's cameras going, <laughs> and then they were like, that's it, we're done. And then everybody gets off the field. But I had told him that story, and he had, <laughs> I had sent him a picture uh, of the group picture that he took, and he signed it. I think he signed it. I don't know if it was a stamp, but I think he signed it and sent it back. But uh, And the Secret Service still let him talk to you. Yes, wow. ex- exactly. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and so I asked him, I said, hey, can you – can can we do kiss cam with you and Rosalind? And he's like, he looked at Rosalind. He said, "What do you say?" And she goes, "Kiss cam, kiss cam." And he's like, "Yeah." And he gives me the thumbs up. So I tell everybody that it's a thumbs up, and then everybody, you know, okay, kiss cam next inning. And uh, so you know they're counting it down, and so we we show all the other fans in the stands. Right, he's going to be the last one on the kiss cam, and they show about ten couples, and then all of a sudden. You know, ready nine, take nine. And then I've got the tally light in the camera. I'm live, and then I'm shooting the two of them, and they kiss, and the stadium goes bonkers. And, you know, moments like that, then they become, they come on ESPN on the top 10 plays of the night and, and, and replays and so forth. So um, that was, that was a great moment. Um, um, I, I'm going to have to take claim to something that I invented, and, and they, they might be disputed, but, um, you're familiar with Kiss Cam. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with Hug Cam. It's just a standard hug. I actually am not. It yeah. doesn't really. So let me tell oh, you. Sorry, how the... sorry, so, to, sorry wait, to piss wait, on your invention. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of people know that I invented it. Um, so Freddie Freeman was with the team, and okay. uh, he was a big hugger. He he hugged everybody. He hugged other players oh, okay. and so forth. And so one day I just went up to Matt and I said, uh, "We should do Hug Cam." And he's like, uh, yeah, that's not a bad idea, Larry. And I think he regretted having to say, that's not a bad idea, Larry. I don't think he wanted to give me credit, but <laughs> we, we, we started that, and that was like 
10 years ago wow. and they still do it and i think a lot of other teams uh do the hug cams so i'm the hug cam so it's the same um, it's the same inventor. same idea Sa- two, yeah, two people yeah. on they, camera two people on camera giving a hug and then they end they end the shot every game with a visiting fan and uh-huh. a home fan hugging oh, so that's sort that. of a uh other moments uh bill murray was at a game uh one day and he was he was on the cubs side and he was with his brother and uh the bra uh the 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 network i think it was chip carey i think it was chip at the time he said uh hey we'd love i they saw him on camera hey we'd love to do an interview with him and so i just go up to bill murray and i said hey do you mind coming upstairs and he goes I just ordered some food, me and my brother, and we're going to eat right here. And I was like, well, we got food upstairs. And then he's like, yeah, we're just going to stay here. And then so they were, like, staying on me about him coming up. And and then so, you know, he was sitting there another couple of uh, outs, and I was like, yeah, they really want you to, to come up. I, if you'll go up there and do the interview, they're going to give me the day off tomorrow. He's like, all right. <laughs> And so him and his brother reluctantly walk up. I'm walking up behind him. He comes up and he does the interview. I take a picture with him and he goes, they going to give you the day off tomorrow. And I was like, I just made that up. <laughs> so that was, uh, there's the truth. And then there's the truth. And there's the truth. Um, and then, you know, it, it's, it's, um, from there, uh, the, the, the walk-offs and the, and the feeds that the, uh, they got, the network had from the RF is sort of how I sort of growing as for getting recognition yeah. uh, and getting uh, other jobs. So then you moved over via another break to network TV. Did you like going to network TV? And, and by that, I mean in studio working for Turner Broadcasting that had a bunch of other properties. Yeah. So um, my fondest memories are really of Braze Vision because um, – how can I say this? Like you make a mistake on network television, it's sort of unforgiving. Uh, you make a mistake except mis- for JD. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you, you, you know, I, I think the 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 big screen is a little bit uh, less forgiving. You know what? I gotta I gotta share this real quickly. I didn't write it down, and I just thought of it. Um, so I'm using this P2 camera, uh, uh, or the RF camera, and. Billy Wagner is the reliever for the Braves, mm-hmm. and uh, so um, I I'm shooting him as he's uh, at the end of the game. He's won the game, and I'm shooting all the players high fiving as they're walking down. Right, I'm out on the field, and I'm and I'm and I'm high, everybody's high fiving, and so um, every time the tally light uh, works on the camera, it's recording. The re- there's a recording on the card on the P2 card. So let's say that was a Friday game. I shot that, and then it's the end of the game. We all go home. The next day, we have the similar situation. A different reliever is relieved. Braves win. I run out on the field. I'm getting them high-fiving. Accidentally, I have the camera on my shoulder, and accidentally, somehow, I hit the record button, and it pulls up on the card what I reported the previous day. So for about five seconds, everybody in the stadium saw Billy Wagner again on the big screen. And I'm sure everybody's like... Wait, what? What just happened? <laughs> and then after about five seconds, it goes back to my actual camera, and I think fans were like, "What the heck just happened?" And nobody upstairs, like they were talking in the studio, and I could hear Matt Martin say, "Wait, what? What happened?" 
And so I, you know, and then he looked at it later and it's like, oh. And he always does this. Whenever I screw up, he'll go, oh. <laughs> and he'll always, he'll always give me one of those. So, But network TV, but ne- less, less forgiving. Yeah, less forgiving. It's there um, forever. It, it's, it's, there, it's there forever. So, yeah, um, what properties did you work on when we're talking Turner Broadcasting? You, you 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 talking about networks? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's so you, many. You right? name it, it, you know. I I worked on them. Um, you know, I started with, I did the very last ABC Sports production. It was at East Lake. Uh, oh, okay. So we're outside Turner. You just you just did. Yeah, I'm a freelancer everywhere. now. So at this time, you've established all your contacts with so many different entities: NBC Sports, ABC, CBS, Outdoor Network. Back then, there was the Speed Channel. Did a lot of stuff with the Speed Channel back when DirecTV was. You could buy a, a driver and then have his. Uh, you could buy a certain driver's look for the entire day. Yeah. And then you could have the inboard camera, his pit camera, and so forth. Did a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, you know, for for uh, for Fox. Uh, Fox was a big one that I worked for, but. I, you know, I've done everything from you know a couple of World Series, a couple of Super Bowls to the cornhole championship at the world congress center um so you know everything that you can think of uh there is a cornhole championship hey man i watch it i some i sometimes tune into espn and watch it there yeah, is there's some, some talented cornholers going on yeah. tv right now there's <laughs> you know i'm not saying pickleball is weird hey watch uh, it watch I, it no, larry no, I, I'm, I'm not i i i know everybody that i talk to about pickleball has the strong reaction like you do they uh they they believe in their pickleball <laughs> uh and there's nothing wrong with uh, i cornhole i uh i get glued to it i, I it's, yeah it's it sucks it's yeah. weirdly compelling yeah Cornhole. Yeah. It's like darts, kind of. Darts is right. fun to watch too. Right. So, oh, you said that they they filmed that in the Congress Center, so that's yeah, a huge convention center here in Georgia. Yeah, it was a it was a it was the weekend of the SEC championship, and uh, so um, I, I didn't I didn't know I'd be asking about cornhole today, Larry, <laughs> but I, I I got no problem asking about cornhole. I didn't think it would be in a convention center, but why wouldn't it be in a and, convention and, center? And you know, like on that on that weekend, somehow I didn't get asked to do the uh, SEC championship, and I did. I got asked like sometimes you're you get directed to a what you call a lesser event than somebody that more important event, if you will. And, um, I know my friends were like, you work in the, uh, SEC championship weekend. I said, I sure am. (laughs) You know, (laughs) they never knew, you know, there was a guy tossing a bag and you had like a tight shot of the hole on the board and the bag going through the hole. So, yep, I'm working the SEC championship weekend. So uh, would you classify that as uh, one of your top five moments in TV? <laughs> that one was not. So okay. the top you, top. You want to go top five? Yeah. You got a top five yeah. list for let's, us? Let's well, do top well, five. Well, we got a top five sting oh, for us. Of let's do we it. Do. Top five, top five, top five. Top five, top five, top five. Here are Larry French's top five moments in TV from behind the camera. We're spanning a long, long career here, Larry. You take us wherever you want to go. It's, uh, yeah, well, the top five, the fifth one, and at the time it was the number one, but uh, I had gotten a call from a Fox director, Matt Gangle. He worked with me a lot in Atlanta, and uh, he uh, called me up and said, hey, can you uh, work at Yankee Stadium Saturday? And I was like, 
Yankee Stadium? <laughs> and for a minute, I was going to say, no, I, I'm busy. And, you know, I, I was like, I was nervous. And I was like, yeah, I guess I could. And he goes, yeah, it's uh, Alex Rodriguez's uh, last game. We'd like for you to work for us for Alex Rodriguez's last game. And so um, they asked me late, and we, we couldn't get a flight on Friday. I, I flew in on Saturday and uh, uh, met with Matt, and he said, the only thing that I want you to do is when he comes to home plate, he's going to tip his hat to the crowd. I want you to be two feet from him when that happens. And you can Google that moment because I do this little 360 turn at the home plate, and I actually walk over home plate. The signal passes through my body. The antenna is up in the behind home plate. And the signal actually pixelates. And I use the word pixelate. It actually breaks up a little bit. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was the, the moment. Side story to that is when he came out uh, of pregame, they gave him a cake. The Yankees gave him a cake, and it was all production. We came on the air at 7. It was a special one-hour pregame show. We came on at 7. At 7 o'clock, the, a storm front started moving in, and the bottom dropped out about 30 seconds of us coming on the air. And while I'm shooting Alex Rodriguez, there was sort of a bolt of lightning on the horizon, and the bolt of lightning looked like it hit his head as you're looking at the camera shot. So the, the rain starts pouring down. We all run into the dugout, and there are so many rules at Yankee Stadium. You, you can't go in the dugout. You can't work past this first baseline. And next thing, just everything unraveled. Like Alex Rodriguez, the, the rain stopped. He had to warm up and stretch. He was running in right field. I wasn't supposed to go to right field. I ran out there. Yankee security is running after me. You can't be out there. You can't be out there. <laughs> and so I'm shooting him as he's coming back, and, and uh, we get the shot. So I looked at somebody, uh, a beat writer, and I was like, I was like talking about the lightning striking. I was like, God hates Alex Rodriguez because it's like <laughs> everything to came apart right in this big celebration. And so the next day I'm in the hotel lobby and I'm leaving. I'm getting ready to take my flight back home. And I don't know if it was the New York Post or some publication. And right there on the cover of the newspaper it said, God hates Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> I swear to God, I couldn't believe it. I was like, that's what I said. So that was uh, that was moment number five. Uh, Whoa, that, what, what a headline. I mean, yeah. They're, they're it, really, really was, going for it with that headline. It was I, – I never forget that. It's <laughs> like, I said that yesterday. <laughs> so uh, number four, yeah. uh, same, same director. He gives me a call uh, and says, hey, uh, you're available to go to Philly Saturday. Uh, Bryce Harper is it's his first game uh, as a Philly and I'm like yeah absolutely great and uh, I wasn't a big Bryce Harper fan but you know it was a big deal big moment in baseball and so um, so I positioned myself in one of the dugouts for home runs so when a home runs hit for Fox they want me to run all the way to third base and then follow you know run down the baseline with the player uh, as he goes into the dugout and so you're sitting there. I can't remember what inning it is, but he comes to bat, and boom, there it goes. His first home run is a Philly. I'm uh, on third base, and there are me and Bryce running down from third base to home. I follow him to the dugout. He comes out and does a curtain call, and uh, pretty cool moment. Um, number so th do, you, do, you, do you like him now? Real quickly, when when he played for a different team, I was working a Fox game, and we had a stand-up that has already been planned. Yeah. 
and we were coming on the air with a stand-up, and all of a sudden, uh, one of the cameras said, oh, Bryce is coming up in the dugout, and it, they said, camera nine, shoot Bryce. And then literally they were counting down live on the air. He says five, four. And I turned from the stand-up position to a live shot of Bryce coming up the dugout steps. And I'm shooting in, and he's looking at my lens, and he's he says, don't shoot me. Now I have a tally light. I'm shooting him. And then he's expecting me to whip away from him, and I can't because I'm on the air. And he looks at me again like, don't shoot me. <laughs> And next thing I know, his hand's reaching up. He grabs my lens, and he pushes the lens down. I'm live on the air. Got the tally light. And then he releases the camera. I go up, and he walks away from me, and then they cut off my shot. We go to commercial, and the director says, hey, Larry, was that a bit? <laughs> I was like, no, that was not a bit. So, Whoa, that's – oh, man. Yeah, he okay. was – you know. you're, you're allowed. You're allowed to dislike him. Right. Uh, somebody I do like immensely would be Freddie Freeman. Uh, highlight number three would be um, Freddie coming back to the Braves as a Dodger. And uh, so we did an interview with him. Kelly Kroll was a sideline reporter. And it was me, Kelly, and Freddie on, you know, on the grass there. And we did the interview. And it was a long interview. And it was heartfelt. And the, the stadium got uh, – just remarkably quiet listening to his thoughts and uh you know he was he was in a tough place at that time you know his decision and why he did it so um just that meant a lot to me the the whole interview cuz the interview was lengthy and uh, uh it 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 was heartfelt on his end um that was a memorable weekend it was a memorable weekend and and everybody had it on their calendar waiting on him to uh to come back um Number two is 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 going back a ways. Uh, this was sort of as I was running the RF camera for the Braves, and I was getting some uh, not publicity, but some of the replays were being uh, shown nationally. John Smoltz had just gotten his three thousand strikeout, and I had just started running the RF. And the three thousand strikeout happened. I think there was either one or two outs in the inning, and finally got his third out. And he came over to the dugout to come in, and he. So I just made the decision to walk out there and um, sort of catch him coming off the field. And so he saw me coming at him, and I guess he stopped, and he took his hat off, and he, he waved at the crowd, and he started doing this counterclockwise rotation. And then I, I was going to go with him, and then I started going the same direction he is, and he changed direction. So he's going counter, I'm going clockwise, and it sort of produced this really cool, like, 360 shot and – you know, ESPN had it on that day, and that was my first, like, ESPN replay. And, you know, I think I stayed up to, like, 4 in the morning to watch ESPN, like, five times to see the replay. <laughs> so That's that was cool. really cool. And then the top – my top memory is uh, just really of the final season for Chipper Jones. Um, those were – that was such a great season because every homestand, you know, the other teams were recognizing Chipper. They were – giving him gifts at home plate. It just – every weekend, Chipper Jones, um, it, it just was a remarkable. So they had a uh, bobblehead night for Chipper Jones in his final season. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's probably the number one replay that I, I like is, is him hitting home run and walking it off on bobblehead night. And I am meeting him at third base, and, and it's sort of an iconic video. It's where he tosses his helmet toward the pitcher's mound – 
and then he goes in and it's really network had it live and then it was a big deal on on espn and all the networks and then his final game um uh, you know we shot uh his final game he had his parents in the front stands and i sort of was like really really close like way too close with the camera and just showing them hugging and kissing and so forth but on the last inning that he uh ran out on the field um the players do the thing where they stop and let him run out there by himself, and he didn't realize that the players had stopped. And so it was that moment that the stadium could recognize him as as this a moment. And the director, Matt, said, Larry, get out there. And so I'm running out there, and it's just me and Chipper like three feet away, and the crowd is recognizing he's tipping his hat, and I'm sort of doing this 360 around him. So it was, uh, it was a cool moment. It was uh, – uh, to be blessed to be on the field, you know, to be on the, the 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 baseball field, you know, I'm 61 years old and I'm running around with these players on the field to this day. It really is. I I, I to this day can't believe I do it. I, I pinch myself and uh, I respect it. And uh, and I've always shot to try to give the fan that point of view. I want to see. I shoot what I'd like to see if I'm sitting at home. I'd like to see what the fabric of the stitching looks like on the back of somebody's jersey on a walk-off home run. You can always get a wide shot, but you can never be absolutely where you can reach out and touch them. And I sort of try to try to do that when I shoot, is uh, give people a, a feeling that they're they're right there. So that's the that's the top five. We could have done top hundred. I mean, we've 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 also <laughs> we've also embedded plenty of moments here, uh, you know, throughout this this interview that yeah you've yeah you've seen a lot larry and and then the world and the world series didn't make it i guess because they were on the road yeah they were on the road i did a lot of coverage for the world series for fox really where where my wheelhouse is and that is with the fans and so they had me uh when fox was here with their set uh in the battery they had me out in the battery and so that, to me, was uh, phenomenal. Yeah, the battery, the, the yeah, area our, around Truist Park. Yeah, the battery here is in Atlanta. such a phenomenal place. If, you're, if you live in the Atlanta area and you haven't been to a game, I encourage people all the time, just go down to the battery. Even if you don't have tickets, just go down there. A lot of people will just sit on the lawn. They have a little green space there and just watch the game with hundreds of other fans. And and. If we're fortunate enough to go to the World Series again, that's where a lot of people end up that don't have tickets is yeah, in that green yeah. space in the battery. Yeah, so it's just watching on a big screen. It's like, you know, for basketball fans, it's Jurassic Park in Toronto. Uh, it's Yeah, it's a great experience. What's up with the Uber situation there in Truist <laughs> Park? I know you're a driver, so you never have to deal with that, but there's got to be people talking about it. When people try and leave and try and get a ride share, get a car out of there to get to get an Uber, to get a Lyft – they don't come. It's like a, it's like the signals breaking up. They just they literally don't show up. We we did not plan this conversation at all. No. Um. So I started hearing about this from different type of people. Like you know they they would like they'd see me with the camera on and a t shirt and they go, hey man, y'all got to fix that Uber situation over there. Or we're not going to come to the game. Yes. So, yes. So for you to bring that up, so on my Facebook page is a picture and it's of a a famous baseball player that used to pitch for us and we're all leaving the parking lot and this individual is waiting on an uber ride and it's craig kimball really 
And Craig just pitched, and I think he beat us that day. He was with – I can't remember if he was with – I don't remember who he was with. Maybe – I don't know. I don't remember who he was with. But he was with the other team. And we're all walking up the hill to go to the media parking lot. And there's Craig looking at his phone. And we're like, <laughs> the hell are you doing out here? Don't wait my damn Uber. <laughs> and so, yeah, it affected uh, – so I didn't realize this was a thing until uh, – Every time. Uh, <laughs> Literally every time, four years. I'm, yeah. I'm so sorry. It's a conspiracy. It's uh, the battery. The businesses in the battery want you to stay after the game. I, so I, they, I'm they buying just, it. They jam a signal like uh, Larry French's body blocking that RF sh- right. signal. Right. That's what they do. It's the, uh, you know. I right. mean, how Matt, you were there for what? Three extra hours because you couldn't get an Uber the last time. <laughs> oh, no. That's because I gave up. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. You went bowling. You went. You stayed in the battery. Yes. Spending yeah, it, all oh, your extra absolutely. money. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There's not a night that goes by because we're fortunate. We, we have really good parking right. TV production, but. There's not a night that goes by when we're walking across that there are, I wouldn't say a hundred people, but there are a lot of people that are standing out there looking at their phones. Yeah. And I'm sure they're waiting on some type of ride. <laughs> Craig Kimbrell can't get a car. Craig <laughs> Kimbrell can't even get a car. Uh, so, yeah, you're, you're, you're an amazing uh, camera person with fans. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And that's why JD had you on fan duty when we did our live shows in Toronto. Oh, totally. Now, probably like the same amount of people waiting for an uber in terms of <laughs> fans for our show you didn't have to deal with too many people there larry but uh, i'm surprised you didn't say that week in toronto for the toronto all-star game yeah, didn't so make didn't number make one didn't five. make your top five uh didn't didn't even level up to the last month of your hockey coverage i'm kidding no so <laughs> driving up here like last night uh i didn't know what i was gonna wear so i go to my my closet and uh for an hour, I go through all my T-shirts, and I have – I'm proud to say I have 18 starter shirts. Wow. Oh, my goodness. We had that <laughs> many? And I have – What a waste. I, I have I have three that still have the tags on them. And then – What a waste. So I had this whole – and I have them in, the, in my vehicle right outside here. I have all the shirts, and – in that stack of shirts that would be the choices of what I was going to wear today are three Toronto All-Star Game mm. shirts. And I also have the Toronto All-Star hat. So, no, those were some of the greatest memories. Um, I, we, we're walking the streets of Toronto, me and another camera operator. His name is Todd. And we were working <laughs> together. And we leave the hotel one day to go to work and – no, I'm saying this is about the fifth day, in it. and we're walking along the sidewalk, and and I this is going to sound horrible, and I'm like, this couple passes us, and I'm like, that's the first bad looking couple I've seen all week, <laughs> and I couldn't get over the people in Toronto. I mean, it was just like everybody is gorgeous up here. I mean, it's just everybody's game is on up here. So Toronto was uh, a really, really cool, um, loved everything about it. It was sort of we were just getting to know you guys, and we were just starting to work with y'all, and just great memories of the shows up there and the and the you know I've always enjoyed being with a startup, anything that's a startup, and um, you guys were beloved by everybody, uh, players, uh, everybody. So yeah, great times, great yeah, times great up time. in Toronto. 
you reminded me of uh, Todd loving Swish LA as much as my man Joel does. <laughs> uh, Joel, oh. we worked with uh, with Todd. He uh, he had he had a great Swish LA shirt. You remember that shirt uh, yeah. that he brought I, back? I, I did. Joel, do you have a Swish LA shirt? We have a Swish. I do not. I do not. Oh, they have great. Baseball. I gotta get one. They got great baseball tees. Nice tie-in. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Actually, working with us back then, we were also on the road when Guy Fieri came on our show. That was New Orleans, uh, and you were just telling us off air that you think that you got him on our show. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to make some type of uh, discrepancy or bring something up like that that you guys misreported something, but. Like when you guys recently on your your, your top seventy five guest show were talking about, uh, thank your, you for the plug. Yeah, yeah, on the No Dunks feed. Yeah, we did. No it. We, that was feed. a fun. That was a fun top seventy five going through all our our old guests that were phenomenal. Guy Fieri being one of them. Yeah, we were uh, Todd and I were having dinner and uh, we look over and you know everything was it was a buzz in New Orleans. Everything's going on the All Star Game. Everybody's out having dinner, and we. Todd looks over, and I look over, and I say, is that Guy Fierro? I said, that's Guy Fierro. And then, like, he's like, let's go over there and talk to him. I'm like, no. And, and it's like, we better not. And so he had a whole group of people. And so we were eating dinner. We have a couple of drinks. And as we're having drinks, we're like, no, I think we should talk to him. <laughs> and then so, yep, we pay our bill or get our check, and we walk over there, and there's Guy Fierro, and he knows doesn't know who Larry or Todd is. <laughs> and we start telling them, like, uh, yeah, we're with the starters. Like, uh, we would love for you to come on the show. And now we're spokespeople for, <laughs> spokespeople for the uh, starters. And so, yeah, I, he goes, yeah, I've, I know the starters very well. And he's very hospitable. And then, you know, the next day, me and Todd are – at the set, and lo and behold, there comes Guy Fierro walking down. <laughs> Guy Fierro. And he's like, uh, I mean, he's just uh, bigger than life. You know, the hair, the jewelry, the whole thing. I mean, he's just like uh, one of those Hollywood entities. And uh, he was great. He signed the uh, starters thing there. Live the, yeah, the, the poster. The poster. Yep. So, yeah. yeah he was, he uh, drew some mustaches on our faces. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we felt like we had uh, helped produce the show that day. Like, oh, uh, we had provided a guest. Uh, we were always very do. excited about that. You obviously always do. You make <laughs> things happen. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center 
anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, before we get to a little bit more Braves, just just a little bit more of the the, the inside baseball here with you know no dunks and the starters. Do you remember the time we were in Vegas now, where you got us into Dre's nightclub? We couldn't get in, and obviously hearing all these stories, it, it's like putting one 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 together. You make things happen, so it makes sense that we were struggling. We were in a lineup, we couldn't get in. Here comes Larry French. <laughs> Gets us in, no problem. So I literally, like, I'm the guy that is always calling my wife at home saying, hey, will you look to see if I left my debit card on the dresser? <laughs> and I can't remember stuff from yesterday. So when we, when I saw this conversation brought up, I was like, holy cow, I remember like it was yesterday. <laughs> and I remember that I had gone up first and yeah. was up there for a while and then came back down and then ran into you guys that could not get in there, and it was an <laughs> elevator involved. Oh, yeah. And I can't remember if it was something that I was wearing, but I basically told these guys, you know, that were stopping you, like, oh, no, these guys are with me. <laughs> no, no, they're with us. And then next thing I know, we're in the elevator, and we're going up, and we're in Dre's. <laughs> so I just uh, assumed like I belonged, and it kind of worked. And I do that a lot in life, i got to be honest with you. It's worked for you. It's uh, yeah. That was uh, I do remember the night in Dre's. That was pretty cool. Well, yeah. Let's let's uh, get to the field here because yeah. you, you do have an incredible job of being on the field, trailing these guys around for their their home runs, mm-hmm. their trots, and around uh, around the the plate. How do you think, just from a production standpoint, things have changed over the years, and how have they improved? I, I mean, just even you talking about trailing guys as they trot around third base, like that feeling of being at home and watching it uh, has transformed my viewing experience over the last, you know, whatever it's been, 15 years or whatever. It's added so much. And I just want to know from your perspective, how how and what has been added to change TV production? Because I think that's that's part of why I've gotten back into the game. Uh, because the the product has been so much better. Yeah, it's uh so the length of time I've been doing it. So the camera complement we use now at a baseball game is basically the same as it's been for a long time, right? Uh, low first camera, a low uh, low third camera, high home that does the game. Uh, that, that game uh, camera two, the high home camera is when the ball's hit. That's the first camera he goes to. Camera four, dead center, is the camera that they use for the framing of the pitcher and the catcher. So for the most part, all those cameras have stayed the same for a long time. Mm-hmm. The changes that have happened over, and I'm going to say the last three years, 36 months, have been the the 4K or 5K, whatever they call it. Some people call it the Megalodon camera, that out-of-focus camera that you see. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the, the, the latest and greatest that's come about now. And some, depending on who the director is, depending on who the company is, whether or not they're going to subsidize or bring that camera or add the cost is, is how that 
would change. Um, for us, the, the change that occurred maybe about 10 years ago is that all broadcasts were done by trucks being in the loading dock, if you will, that did a baseball game. You'd have two trucks, one truck for the home side and one truck for the wayside or the visitors. I actually met the guy that invented this, but uh, there's a gentleman who rode up on a bar napkin. He showed them how he could compress the two trucks and take some of the stuff that was being done in one truck and put it in the first truck and call it a duel. And so some of the responsibilities of audio and video became part of a duel. So when we'd come to a, a production, we'd say, what kind of what kind of show is this? And they'd say, it's a side-by-side. And that meant there was two trucks that were going to work the game. Or it was a duel. And that means that some people... So the, the concept of the duel now has has even grown more to where now you're, you're hearing the word cloud. And so now you have where... Um, there are certain productions, certain companies, uh, you know, ESPN is one of them where they have the cloud and they have a, an area where people come, mostly probably Bristol, and they, they produce games in a room. And the only thing that's on site are the camera operators. So a lot of the tape stuff being done, all the replays that are being done, are being done in the cloud, wherever that is, wherever there might be in the cloud. So the word cloud has come about a lot. Um, so what does what the dual system produce? What? Yeah, so a dual would be where you would use certain – you might have a tape op that's doing the same role for both sides, home and away. Mm-hmm. Most of the times in a dual, it, it affects audio because audio is sort of universal in, yeah. in that sense. Right. Um, Audio's gotten better on the broadcast. Yes, yeah, yeah. They, it definitely has. Uh the, the, this gentleman that wrote up the uh, instructions on a bar napkin, he basically took one side of the the, uh, the away side truck, and you know how you see like a, a tractor trailer, the cab, and it's got that air, that uh, airfoil on top of the yeah. hood that, that yeah. makes the air go over the truck? Well, that cab area of the truck where a, a regular over-the-haul uh, driver would sleep at night, that area is of those trucks is where they created the audio department. Uh-huh. So that sort of almost eliminated another truck and they started calling it a duel. Hmm. Um, but, you know, the thing that we're, that, that every company is, you know, budget cuts, you hear it in the news all the time. You see what's going on with the, the talent that just recently got let go. Um, everybody is, we're in influx right now in, in, in TV. Uh, there's some changes that are going on as to how they're going to produce games. I think uh, robotics are going to be more of a thing. I think um, uh, they're going to share feeds a little bit more with cameras. Um, so we're in that mode where a couple of years ago we were in the growing mode, you know, trying to reinvent, trying to change telecast, make them better. And I'm not saying they're not, not trying to make them better. Uh, they're just uh, – they're they're in that – bottom line situation where these contracts are so astronomical get the rights to broadcast stuff i mean i i have no idea how they even come to the price of what a super bowl (laughs) is and then now you know we've heard mention that you know you you might hear that uh apple does the the uh super bowl or amazon does a super bowl those are players now that we're hearing about that uh you know you, you just don't know and they all produce their product differently they all have a way they want to they want to do things so 
for the most part, you know, we're being told that nothing's really going to change as far as the type of camera, you know, the, where the cameras are going to be. These cameras, the design of the cameras have really not changed over like 20, 30 years. The lens, the camera, the head, the tripod, they're, they're all basically the same. The newest stuff have been what you see. You might see during the World Series a little guy running around. He's got two, arm, two hands on a, uh, a gimbal. He's got a little antenna. He's got a backpack. That's an RF. For the most part, that's been really the only major change. In, in You've seen it in football games in the NFL. Some people call it the out-of-focus camera. Yeah. Uh, people love that or hate that. Uh, yeah. I, I, I work with a gentleman at the Braves, and, and he's running one of those, and we're experimenting with that right now. And I think it's a good look. It's uh, it it's, uh, definitely adds something to the telecast, uh, I think. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, – that's you know we're, we're nothing really has changed other than the cloud is the biggest thing I would say the cloud and what the cloud will become what I, I would be interested in what the cloud's going to look like in five years uh, uh, is there going to be permanent cameras put in the stadiums and will they be robotically operated so um, I'm 61 so uh, you're good I'm 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 okay <laughs> I'm all right but you. From your camera, from your point of view, AI is not taking that over. Yeah, somebody on the field trailing players. Yeah, like uh, I just started. You know, when you start, I'm not saying I look at TikTok, but every now and then I look at TikTok, and you know, uh, it seems like AI. You're starting to hear buzz about AI. You heard AI a year ago, two years ago, but now you're really starting to hear about AI. I will honestly say in the tele, in the TV word, we're not really hearing that buzz if you will. You're not you're not hearing people say, "Oh, you know, AI is going to do this." I I was listening to uh some I can't remember what the radio was and they were playing AI of rap artists that had passed away. Right. Singing yeah. current songs. I was like, how does that work? <laughs> so I wasn't aware that that it was it was at that level. I'm I'm a sort of a I still have an AOL email, so <laughs> I'm getting there. I love it. Did you contact uh, Larry on his AOL email? I absolutely did. Absolutely. You know, you know when you, when you have an AOL email, it then becomes a rite of passage, and you're like like somebody says, well. Like, I think I've missed work because my email starts out with the word parab, and a parab is a parabola. It's the first job I had in TV. It's the little round mic you see the guys on the <laughs> yeah. sideline hold. And that was my first job I ever did was holding the sound mic on the field. And so that was my email. So now I've had the email for 30 years. I can't leave it now. No. I mean, it's like, no, it's a part of you. Yeah. How do they grab, speaking of audio, a uh, guy hits a double, reacts at second base, like pounding his chest. You know, he's excited. And they grab the audio from that. What mic is that on? So at uh, at uh, Truist Park, um, we have two parabolas, which are really round. So if you watch the broadcast and you see the, uh, the shot of the batter, you can sort of m- uh, make them out. There are these green boxes that are behind uh, the catcher. And it's a parabola, and they're pointed in a in a in a direction. Yeah, they're sort of within the, the advertisement or just above. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So um, for for 
I, I think it's Fox or maybe some broadcast. So some broadcasts do have the mic'd bags. And so yeah. when you hear that guy slide, it's like, oh, my God, you can hear every rock in the ground. you right. know. And so um, you'll see, I'll see an audio guy. Not to say that we don't do that on an everyday basis because we, we don't on an everyday game. But mm-hmm. when they have the bigger games, if it's Sunday night baseball or if it's a Saturday Fox, I know Fox does a lot of the miking of the bag. Yeah, they 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 actually own their own bag that has a cutout where this the mic uh, where the little mic goes. But these parabolas, um, they're very directionally pointed. Uh, I used to be on the football field pregame with the parabola, and I would sort of like point it at people to see what they were saying. Like, and it's kind of like listen to the coach. And I mean, these things could pick up from one side of the football field to the other. Like, uh, they, they pick up a lot. But yeah, in the in that, it's either where the parabola is picking it up, and your audio tech is riding that replay. So they might, let's say, they go to replay, and it's a, a tight shot of him sliding. And they've tracked the the audio guys tracking that he'll ride that track he'll just bump that up to maybe 10 you know bump it up high so in the replay it really mm-hmm. uh accentuates the sound that you're hearing uh but that yeah that's you're cool. hearing you're hearing a mic in the bag yep that's Crazy. awesome yeah i like i don't mind geeking out a little bit do you any any uh <laughs> any uh technical questions you got over there jd while oh, we're man, we're going deep yeah deep. i had to I yeah, had to. No, no, I, I wanted to know where that one came from. Yeah, of Mike in the bag. I, 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 I gotta tell you one. You know, memories, good or bad. Um, uh, one bad memory I had was uh, I just started with the Braves, and I was uh, we did a thing called the Pop Fly contest, and so that was sort of the entertainment pr- uh, at the beginning of the game. Okay. And uh, so they 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 shot a ball up in the air, and the host uh, would have a, a contestant that would be out in the outfield. Yeah, yeah. And he's all right. Uh, I've got Steve here from Duluth. Steve, you catch all three of these balls. You're going to win this fabulous T-shirt. And uh, so I was out there, you know, shooting the two of them talking, and then all of a sudden. All right, Steve, let's see you do it. And then uh, Mark <laughs> Owens was the, the, the host. He'd walk away, and then I'd get away, and then they'd shoot these three balls. So uh, he'd catch the first one. I'd sort of run toward him and, and get a shot of him catching it, and then I'd walk, run away from him, then run back when he got the second one. And then the third one, whether he got it or not, we'd come back together, Mark, and then interview him. Oh, Steve, you almost had that third one, but it just was a little too high. And so on this particular day – the guy was running away from me, and I was running toward him, so I'd be ready. And then all of a sudden, I guess, he realized he'd run too far. He turned and ran back toward me, and I didn't catch that, that he was running back toward me. And by the time I caught it, I ran into him, mm-hmm. and the ball fell on the ground, and uh. I got booed by about 30,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> and that was when uh, I got this from Matt. <sighs> <laughs> So that was a, a, a bad moment. Uh, did, did the guy get a T-shirt? Uh, Maybe you can give him one of your starters I, T-shirts. I don't think he got a T-shirt uh, on that wow, day. Sticklers. Um, <laughs> and then uh, one other. Uh, this was at a Hawks game, and um, I'm uh, we're in a commercial, and uh, the director saying, uh, "Let's come back with nine. Uh, you get that uh, opportunity with a wireless camera to talk to fans and say, hey, I'd like for you to do this. We're going to uh, come back from a commercial. How about doing some cheering? So I had nothing. And he's like, 
you ready nine down there you got somebody and there was a girl that was in this really skimpy outfit uh at a hawks game and they hand out candy and chocolate to all the uh the uh people in the front row front row and so i'm shooting this and i didn't realize this happened at the time so they go three two one take nine and I'm just framed this girl up, and she's handing candy out, and she's going down the line. Well, unbeknownst to me, I didn't see it. Everybody started laughing about it after they got the shot. Uh, Al Horford's little brother. That's the Al Horford. That's, that's the Al Horford That's what video. I was just thinking about. And when so you, when he you said is that. checking her out, and he <laughs> this is like his great awareness of this. And this is, you know, this girl with this little outfit on, and he's like, whoa. And he turns his head, and then they get off the shot. I didn't even see him do it. And then somebody says, hey, man, that thing's got like a million hits already. It's like an hour later. So I think the next that night or the next night, it was on Jimmy Kimmel's show, and they showed it. But uh, So the next game, Al Horford's mom comes up to me, and she's like, you know good you know good and i said I- i'm sorry i, I just was a- and then she laughed about it. we've since laughed about it since then so that was a uh, incredible pretty cool moment oh i had no idea that is that is a uh yeah people a say you video. got any videos that went viral and then i have to throw that in i was like <laughs> they're thinking great sports shots and right. it's al's little brother checking out the Checking around. <laughs> it's only human. Only human. Right? Uh, okay. Well, yeah. Let's uh, let's briefly uh, just wrap up here with the Braves team that are obviously kicking ass and are in line to kick ass for a long time here with the way they've structured their team. How is it just being around that clubhouse, th- that group of guys? You know, it, it's it's been um, it's been a joy to see. I'm not going to say. Ozzy and and Acuna are the architects, but the whole relationship those two guys uh, have and started uh, sort of had manifested its way where, um, you know, Austin Riley and Matt Olson are the little, they sit together. If you watch the game, they always sit together after they both hit home runs and then they (laughs) sit next to each other. Uh, And they, like myself, they're great looking um and they're they're just uh everybody is gelling right now and like the team one through nine is like there's no weakness right now it's like you 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 almost you you pray that this doesn't change but i don't think i've ever felt this good about a baseball team in in a lot of years and and i know the dh had something to do with that as far as you know one through nine but right now everybody is um uh, Azuna was in the dugout uh, the other day, and he walked by me, and I slapped him on the back, and I was like, uh, "You're you're red hot," and he goes, "Yes, it's about time." And he, you know, he was that guy. You knew he was great. Uh, he just needed to find his swing, and uh, I'm excited about the rest of the season. Um, uh, it, it's it's just a, a joy to be down there. There's these guys are not. They're not tight. They're not. They're never. They're never tight. They're always cutting up. There's so much chemistry throughout the team. Whether it's with Ron Washington, working with the players pregame, doing his warm-up bit. Uh, Snit is just that. Is that is a no nonsense uh, coach. There's no drama about him. Everybody, all the players know he is all about business. Uh, he's about the bottom line, and so um, I, you know, I. I I, 
I'm not fearful of other teams, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not fearing the Dodgers. I don't really fear the Yankees. Um, the Braves will will be playing the the the, the Yankees uh, here in Atlanta, which will be exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think California is playing here. The Angels, yeah, yeah, they're pretty good. We're, right? we're in the midst of it right now. Um, yeah, I regret as well if we didn't talk briefly about the Hazels and Wendy's story that you mentioned. <laughs> um, I, I will wrap up with that with a sad one, unfortunately, after all these incredible stories. So when I worked at Wendy's, there was this girl that worked at Wendy's. Her name was Hazel. She was the, the cashier in the front, and I really <laughs> liked her. And so I was playing baseball in high school for a team in Columbus, and we had their baseball banquet. And at the banquet, you know, you have all the teams there, football, wrestling, baseball. So I invited her. She said, sure, I'll go. So I pick her up. We go to the school. It's where the uh, banquet is. And then so you got to wait for your segment of the uh, uh, ceremony, ceremony to happen. And so, boom, baseball happens. Coach Maddox is our coach. And so – No relation to Greg. No relationship to Greg. Okay. Um, so he's like, uh, you know, going through the rundown. Well, I wasn't a really good player. I was a backup catcher. The starting catcher was John White, and he was recruited by – he was drafted by the Pirates, and I was I was behind him, and I was not I was not good. But I had a really good senior year, and I was thinking maybe I'll get that most improved, you know, mm-hmm. that little award or, or mention. So uh, – Coach Maddox has uh, everybody up, and he goes, "All right, here's our senior players," and he brings everybody on stage, and then, and our most improved player, I didn't get it, and so he introduces them, and then he goes, "Let's give a big round of applause for your 1980 Carver Tigers," and then everybody's playing, and I'm sitting here next to Hazel, I'm like, I must be getting some really cool award, like they're about to call it, and then the host goes, "All right, we'll now go to the wrestling team." The coach forgot to bring me up on the stage. Oof. He didn't have me on the sheet of paper. <laughs> that and is I'm a sad like, story. I'm like, I look at Hazel, I'm like, I swear to God, I'm on the baseball team. <laughs> and so she's like, no, it's okay. And so I like bring her over to Coach Maddox. I'm like, Maddox, you, you forgot me on the – oh, my God, Larry, I'm so sorry. And I was, I was like, no problem. It's like, you know, I had the date here, and she, I just want to make sure, <laughs> you know, everybody's cool. So – uh, so we go home. I drop Hazel off, and you know, you know, I find another job, and we separate. We go our different ways. Fast forward to about fifteen years later, I'm working camera in the Braves Stadium, and uh, I'm walking by, and all of a sudden, Hazel's right there in the stadium. It's Hazel, and I'm like, Hazel. She's like Larry, and then I look, and then next to her looks like looks like some kids, and she's like. Oh, these these are my two sons. I'm like, what? That's awesome. And fist bump them. I got the camera. And then she goes, and you know Robert? She's married to Robert. He played on the baseball team. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I don't know when they started talking. I don't know if it was when I was with Coach Maddox. So anyways, there, you know, uh, everything's good. I'm, I'm, I've, I've. Yeah. She works at a bank that I frequent and uh and so I've we've laughed about it uh many times and so I'm I'm good. Everything uh everything uh-huh. worked out. Does she wear a uniform with white pants and a little uh, derby hat? <laughs> <laughs> she did wear one day for a promotion the little Wendy's wig with the little oh, yeah. the little red wig. I the know pigtails wore. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Wow, what a memory. What great. It was uh, great times. Glad we ended with that. Um, Joel, I've ignored you like uh, Coach Maddox ignored Larry uh, way back <laughs> when. Any... I know I was long-winded today. No, okay, you, I'm taking I'm it sorry. all in. Uh, great stuff, great stuff. Any any last words, Joel, before I uh, wrap up? We That was awesome. That was uh, a lot well, of Larry, fun. Well, Larry said that he doesn't like movies. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest you go see Oppenheimer this afternoon. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a cinematic masterpiece, Larry. Okay, so uh, I took my wife to a movie last week week and i was like these are your choices the one you just mentioned or we can go see mission impossible and i don't think she had an opinion about either and we ended up going to mission impossible and i said you know we really need to see part one part two whatever so we went i I can't tell you how i'm upset at the movie so i the last two movies i saw was top gun with him with tom cruise and then mission impossible there's not a bullet that will hit him. He can't die. He can't <laughs> fall off a train. There's mm. nothing that will kill this guy. And no stakes. Like, no stakes. It's unbelievable. So the movie you mentioned, I think that's where I'm going uh, next weekend. All right. You still Good see call. movies. You still see movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You just hate them. I just, yeah, I hate them. <laughs> well, we'll get you back in for a uh, film session because yeah. sometimes we review some films. JD is the the number one film critic in here. Uh, Yeah. That's true, I guess. Yeah. 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 I like Mission Impossible, but I'm a I'm a sucker. I like Maverick, but I'm a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, Larry. Got I can't thank you enough well, coming in. Well, I I have a special announcement. What do you got for us, Larry? That's, that's I, what, What's in this bag? What you got in that bag? <laughs> I have something for you. Oh. Here we go. Oh, wow. This is an Atlanta Braves World Championship World Championship replica now, ring? Wait, wait a minute. Well, I got to open wait it. Wait a minute. I want to open what it. What did you call it? A ring. Yeah, but you said what? I, I said the word replica. I shouldn't have no, said that. This, I thought this was the ring company replica. Replica. We'll accept it. We'll accept it. Here's JD's. Listen, Thank you, Larry. Your autograph that you got, that was a replica. That wasn't a real one. <laughs> who, who, who gave you that replica autograph? I, I already forget. I thought this was a replica. Listen, Wow, look at this. Looks real to me. Um, I had that size. See if that fits you. <laughs> what are you talking about? You had this size. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that. Yeah, we look can focus those. here in the studio. Nice. You got to put that on. Of course, I'm going to put it on. You're the man, Larry. Thank you so much. Can I wear this? I, t- I told him a size seven. A size yes. Seven? Oh wow. Yes. Look at that. This is great. Wow. <laughs> this is awesome. One more. One more shot. One more shot before we go. Let's get this right. This. This ain't no mag. mag yeah, Magdalene. Slowly. Whatever you call it. Slowly focusing in for effect. This is great. <laughs> wow. Nice. That's how you close a show, Larry. <laughs> right there. Way to produce this thing. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Awesome. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. This was fun. I appreciate it. <laughs> the replica. Uh, it was a replica. Uh, so like Justin's. So yeah. good. Yeah. Shout out to Justin's. This oh, is awesome. Get it off. This, this is. No. Did you did you ask for a size? No. Okay. Because <laughs> it fits so well. Uh, uh, yes, right. I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> That's why you've been married this long, Larry. I sized for you. All right, that does it for No Bots this week. We will see you next Wednesday. Subscribe wherever you get your pods to the Athletic Baseball Show. Watch live every Wednesday. Check out some of our shorter videos. Joel doing his magic on Instagram or on our YouTube channel. 
for Joel, for JD, for Larry French. Incredible stuff, Larry. Thanks for coming in. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Larry. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you Thanks, next Larry. week. A little long-winded. Nah, <laughs> perfect-winded. <laughs>